I want to talk to you about today an area of life that, that I honestly struggle with. And so some of the stuff that I'm going to be telling you today, I've been telling myself, and I'm going to try harder to exemplify some of the things that I'm going to share with you. It's a common problem with many people, and it is the reality that you and I are busy. One of the things I hate to hear is when somebody walks up to me and says, uh, you know, Mark, I know you're busy. I I hate when somebody says that because I am busy, just like you're busy. But what I hate is when my busyness becomes an obstacle. And the reality is, for many of us, busyness is an obstacle. As we go through today, I'm going to share several things, and there's so much more I could share with you. We could do a whole series on this, and we have talked through the years about the Sabbath. We have talked about rest, but I don't want to approach this today from the perspective that if you are busy, you are in sin, because that is not true. It is possible that your busyness is sin. But because you're busy does not mean you are in sin. And I'm going to get to that in just a minute. What is important is that you and I are aligning our lives with the life that Christ meant for us to live. Busyness is often a part of that. But if you're like me, you have more things in a day that you have to accomplish than I have time and that you have time. Let me ask you this. How many of you could use some help at work? Anybody? A couple of you, right? A few more, maybe. How many of you think that wherever you work could be more productive if it had more people to share the load? Or that you would be happier working there if there were other people there to help share the load? Most of us would say, yeah, that's me. I would like to be in a place where we could share the load. So I'm going to give you some some tips. I'm going to give you some ideas, but most importantly, What I want to do is to see what God says. What we know is that busyness is a way of life. But what I know in my own life, what I know in our own family, what I know with watching many of you is that not only is it a way of life, it is also a path to death. Busyness often takes a person from a place of purpose, believing they have value, knowing that they have a task to complete, and often shuttles them into a place of despair because they must get this done and they just don't have the time or resources to make it happen. If you already struggle with depression, busyness adds on. It just piles it on. And if you're already struggling with value, busyness immediately makes you believe you're valuable, but deep down inside makes you empty. Busyness is a problem. In the church, It's hurting our relationships. It's hurting families. It's hurting your health. If we don't come to a place where we are able to manage our schedules, and today we do have a lot in our schedules. If you have kids, especially if you have teenagers, recreational extracurriculars are no uh, respecter of parent schedules. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's right. They are no respecter of our schedules. They don't go, well, have you all, is there something going on on Tuesday night that we might be able to schedule something then? That's not how it works. Instead, you get a form and it comes home and it says, okay, we're going to be doing something on Monday night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night and Thursday night and Friday night and Saturday night. And we're going to be doing all this and you're expected to be there, right? And we've got our church activities we have to do. There's a few of us that like to do things outside of school, work, and church, right? 
And we struggle to find what that time is. All the while, all this busyness is supposed to help us live the life we always wanted to live. All these things that we're a part of. Look at all these things we get to do. But what often ends up happening is we become blind to what's really important to us. Our relationships begin to suffer. Our ability to create good work suffers. We're not able to put everything into it. And that all too crucial place where we come to rest and recognizing who God is and what he wants in our lives at that moment fades away. And we find ourselves being run by our schedules rather than us running them. You know, as well as I know, that time is a valuable and it's a limited commodity. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about entertainment, a huge blind spot for us. We just so easily fall into the trap of sitting in our favorite seat and turning on TV and just letting ourselves go. We talked about the amount of time a person has in a day. And the truth is, is we actually have very little time to do anything in a day. If you get the recommended eight hours of sleep and you work an average eight hour a day job, that gives you about eight hours left in that day to do everything else you need to do. Hopefully you're taking a shower in those eight hours. Hopefully you're brushing your teeth and you're putting some deodorant on. Otherwise, it makes our other eight hours, those of us spending eight hours with you on a work day, very uncomfortable. That's the time you drive to work. It's the time you drive home. It's the time you eat your meals. It's the time you actually take care of the house or you do laundry. It's the time that you open your Bible. It's the time you think about where you're heading in life and is this the direction I want to go? And it's the time you determine what the priorities of your life are going to be. Whenever you're on the clock, someone else determines what your priorities are. But when you're not on the clock, you determine those. What busyness does is it takes our time and it packs it in so tightly that you and I turn off the critical thinking centers of our brain and we just go with wherever the schedule takes us. Now, if you do that, and Deidre and I, I've told you before, our number one conversation that we have has to do with scheduling. What's going on this week? What do, you, what do I need you to do? What do you need to do? What do we need to make sure we do together? And then often we will get invitations that will come on the weekend that we want to do. And I'm like, I just don't want to do, I just, can we just stay home? Does anybody ever have that conversation besides us? Can we just stay home? I just want to, I just want to rest. I just want to sit here. I just don't want to do anything. Time is a huge commodity. It's the ability to bring rest and rejuvenation so that you're able to go about your week It's the place where you get to sit down and think about what has God done in our lives that we can celebrate and worship on Sundays and every other day of the week. That time is a time that we can sit down and we can say, okay, this is where we are. Is this where we want to be in five years? Because the busiest people are always in the same place they were five years before because they never stop to think, where am I going? It's the time that we sit and we budget Because as we talked about the blind spot of being generous, we have to be the best financial planners on the planet so that whatever God has given us, we are good stewards of that, including being generous to others. We've got to have time for that. But those are the things that go away in the busyness of life. Probably your quiet time goes away quickly. Time that you would go exercise and get your, keep your body in shape 
it goes away. That's one of the first things that goes away for me. I'm busy. I don't have time to go to the gym. I'm just going to do what I need to do. And as that builds up, and that will inevitably lead into the next piece, which is I need to stay up later. I've got more I've got to get done. To I've got to get up earlier because I've got to get started so I can get outside of this trap. And as our body breaks down and our mind does not have what it needs to function, busyness becomes a cruel taskmaster. So as we go through this, I want you to know that how you spend your time will determine how you live your life. How you spend your time will determine how you live your life. If you look over the landscape of your life right now and you are happy, 100% totally happy with your life right now, then keep doing the things you're doing. But if you are not happy with everything that's going on in your life, you have to change some of the way you use your time. And if you're like us, that's one of the most difficult things to do. Bruce Heinmarsh was a professor, or is a professor at Regent College. This is what he said about busyness and what it leads to in our lives. He said, busyness is moral laziness. Think about that. Busyness is moral laziness because it is often a statement of our self-importance and our excuse to be inattentive to people. But God has given us just enough time to do what we need to do moment by moment to respond to him. And his grace is there. It is eternally present. Every moment is a sacrament where time touches eternity. Think about that. Every moment where time touches eternity, there is exactly enough time to do what God has called us to do. I read that and it. There's a few things I love about what he said. Number one, that busyness is moral laziness. Now, we recognize there's a difference in busyness for busyness sake and someone who is working three jobs in order to pay their bills. Recognize there's a difference there. There's a difference in filling our day with stuff that doesn't matter and just trying to get by because you don't earn enough to pay basic bills. We recognize there's a difference in that busyness. All of us could do something different with our schedules. And the truth is you cannot control every variable that is in your life, but you can control some. As we look over our lives, Deidre and I, there are different seasons as well. If you're a young couple and you don't have kids, your ability to fill your empty time is almost unlimited. You've got all kinds of time that you can fill it with. If you're single, you're in college, there's all kinds of things you can fill your life with. When the first child comes along, it gets filled for you. When the second child comes along, you don't have time for them, and they fill up the other amount of time that you had left. And for those of you who have more than two kids, you just look like a zombie when you walk through, which is why Deidre and I do sometimes too. The more that you pack into your family, the less time that you have. There's a reason that Paul said, you know what? It's not a bad deal if you want to be single because you'll have all kinds of time to focus on God. Now, I've honestly never met a single person who thought that was a good thing. But that is why Paul said it. Because as we take on family members... And they become priorities in our lives. 
we have to shift the way we use the resources of our time. Now, I'm not suggesting that some of you begin to reverse that process. I've got too many kids. i got to get rid of some of these. We don't have enough time for them. Don't do that, and don't leave here saying, I told you to do that. <laughs> However many you came with, you've got to go home with that same number of kids, or more if you want to, but you can't go home with less. But there are seasons. When they're little, I used to take Jake. He was our first, and... I would take him to work with me and I'd put him in his carrier and he was a baby. He wouldn't move or make a sound. I could just plop him down in the corner, put a blanket over him. And it was like he wasn't even there. He has a nervous tick every now and again. Been at fears of abandonment, I guess. As he got older, he started doing what older children do. And he started moving. He started crawling. Then he started running. And then we couldn't keep up with him anymore. Different seasons of life bring different things. When you're getting started in a new job, you're trying your best to do well at that job. You're not accomplished at that job. You may not even have been well-trained for that job, even though you may have a degree that says you're an expert at this job. And so you may spend a lot of time not only in work, but outside of work trying to figure out, am I doing the things I'm supposed to do? There are different seasons in life. Once you've been doing that job for a while, I mean, you can do it and you can knit a sweater at the same time. It's, you've got more time because you're good at that now. So there are different seasons that you have to deal with. But you are always going to be in a season where you have to manage how you use this commodity that's been given you, your time. And if you don't use it well, it will lead you to despair. And it will also lead you to be ineffective at anything that you want to do. Now, it's easy to think for Christians, and I've heard this a million times, that you should just not be busy. The Christian should just be still and quiet all the time, which wouldn't work in our house. But a good Christian is one who just sits and meditates and contemplates God all the time. But I would also say that's a hungry Christian because they can't work and do that. I'd say that your kids are never going to do any extracurriculars and you yourself are never going to invest in any relationships if the belief is that God wants us to be still and quiet all the time. The truth is, if we read through Scripture, is God actually intends for you to be busy. Now, this is hard to take in when you are busy and you are doing everything you can to get outside of that. I know how that feels. That feeling of desperation that says, I cannot continue going in this way. I can't keep doing these things. I've got to have a break. But I want you to know God intends for you to be busy. It was never God's purpose for you to live a life of just relaxing and being comfortable. He intended for you to live a life of purpose. Now, this is different than what we sometimes read about in Scripture. This is what Scripture says about being slothful or being lazy or just not doing anything. It says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, it's pretty, pretty harsh. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone's not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness. Not busy at work, but busy bodies. And that is harsh. If you're not going to work, you're not going to eat. That is harsh. Proverbs 26, 14 says, As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. And I love this. This is 
quickly become one of my favorite verses in Scripture. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and it worries it out to bring it back to his mouth. Isn't that sad? I mean, it's like you get a fork full of food and I just, I, I just can't do it. I cannot get it up to my mouth. So Scripture says slothfulness is not good. And I dare say there's not a person in this room that is living a slothful life. Maybe. Maybe this is you. I really don't know many people like this. In our culture, in our American culture, where we are all clamoring for the American dream of happiness, we are all busy trying to make that happen. And it's not always work. Sometimes we fill our days with activities with friends. There are times I want to hang out with my friends, but I've got to take a break for me. Slothfulness is not usually a problem we deal with. However, I think what's so interesting about what this professor from Regent University said is that busyness is actually a form of sloth. Because when we're busy, what we end up doing is not what is purposeful and what is of high priority, what is important. Busyness is usually the stuff that's not important. However, it makes us feel good. If someone walks up to you, think about the last time this happened. Hey, how are you doing? What was your response? It was probably one of two things. Either one, I'm good. Followed up with a, how are you? But likely it was number two. Oh man, I'm busy. I'm busy. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if that's you, but I, I know that's been me. How are things going, Mark? I'm, I'm busy. Man, I'm so busy. I just wish I wasn't so busy. You know, I hear it more and more and I say it more and more. And every time I hear it and every time I say it, something screams within me that says, this is not what living life is supposed to be. And it's not. That place where you can't catch up, that place where you can't be purposeful, that place where you can be intentional about what is good and what is best, that is where God wants us. But for much of us, we had not yet gotten there. What I believe often happens about busyness is that we are trying to mask our lack of principled purpose. Principled purpose says, these are my priorities. This is what is most important. Now, your list may be different from mine. Hopefully, if you're married, a priority is your relationship with your spouse. Hopefully, if you're employed, doing a good job at work is somewhere on the list of priorities. If it's too low, you may lose that job, and then no matter how much you focused on your spouse, things are going to get tense real quick. But whatever your principles are, busyness is often the thing that says, I am doing many wonderful, good things. But the truth is, we're trying to feel like we are good, valuable people. And we often are not doing the best things. That's why I don't think that busyness is a sin. However, the things that we choose to be busy with may be. I want you just to do a mental assessment. I don't want you to say anything out loud. I don't want you to write anything down. I don't want you to raise a hand. I want you just to, for a moment, I want you to think about this last week. I want you to think about what you did with that eight extra hours of time outside of work and sleep this week. Think through what often 
becomes the drainer of your time. Where did you spend your time this week? Do you or can you point to specific things that you intentionally made sure happened this week? I don't mean the empty pin on your car was on, was sort of the gas indicator in your car was on empty, and so you made it a principled decision to go get gas. But how many things this week did you sit down and say, you know what? This is important. I need to take care of this this week. How many of those were relationally based? This is a relationship I need to value this week. I need to make sure they have time with me this week. How many of those things had to do with your relationship with God? I need to spend time with God. Now, it's real easy to ask those questions for us to begin to feel guilt real quickly, right? Because probably you didn't spend as much time as you think you probably should have relationally. You probably didn't spend as much time as you think you should have in your relationship with God. And you probably can't even think of where a lot of that time went because you were busy. Busyness is not in and of itself a sin. Jesus was busy. The disciples were busy. All those who have followed Jesus have been busy. They have had a purpose. They have had something they have been passionate about accomplishing. However, what we choose to be busy, busy with may absolutely be a sin. My hope is not that I would encourage you not to be busy. But instead of focusing on busyness, I would encourage you to focus on diligence. There is a difference in being Restful and being diligent. Diligent says I am busy, but I am busy on specific good things. Now, I have learned as I've gotten older, some of the things I have to set time aside are certainly relationships with my family, relationships with my friends. I have to set time aside to read. I have to be diligent about reading. I don't know how many of you read. We've encouraged you, and a lot of you have taken advantage of the library that that Brian and Leah have pretty much set up in our green room back here with some great books. But I have to be diligent to read. If I, and I don't mean Facebook, because Facebook does not sharpen me. I don't know about you, it does not sharpen me. But I've got to read stuff that, that hones the way I think, my critical ability to think and to assess and to judge. I, I have to do that. Facebook doesn't do that for me. Facebook usually leads to emotions that I really don't want to talk about right now. But reading is good for me. Now, reading Scripture is crucial. I have to make time for reading Scripture. Because that is where life comes, and me hearing mostly from God comes from reading Scripture. And in the times that God hasn't spoken to me through Scripture, He often speaks to me by bringing Scripture to mind at the moment I needed that Scripture. And the only way I have that repository for God to utilize through the Holy Spirit in me as if I have spent the time ahead of time reading it and putting it in there to begin with. You can't withdraw from something that you've never invested into. I have to make time for that. I have to make time for rest. For the last three weeks, my project load, if you don't, if you don't know me, if you're our guest or if, you haven't, if we haven't talked before, not only do I do this, but I, but I own a marketing business, a very similar one that Richard, who leads worship up here. And this business has been good. 
And I like it when business is good. And I do not like it when business is not good. However, when business is good, that means I'm busy. And so for the last few weeks, I have found myself, in order to make everything work, cutting back on my sleep, cutting back on my exercise, and at times cutting back on my time with God because, God, i got to take care of this stuff. And every time I do that, God brings me back to the same place. Is this the life you wanted? And my answer is the same every single time. No, it is not. I would ask you, is the life you're living with all of the things that you've put into it, is this the life you wanted to live? There's only one way I know to be able to do that with all of the things clamoring for attention, and that is to be diligent. Ephesians 5.15 says, Look carefully, then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of what? See, he knew. He knew that we would have this problem. It's not like they didn't. We've always had this problem. Make the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, there are a couple of things that I I want you to leave today with. One is be careful with your time. And the second one is this. Seek for what the Lord's will is. Because in those two things will solve 90% of your busyness problems. Watch your time and know what the will of the Lord is. 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 7 says, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And that's exciting. That's a fun verse right there. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. Since his aim is to please the one who has enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Because the Lord wants you to know what his will is. And what he's saying in each of these examples is that you have to be diligent about where you invest one of your greatest resources. And not only do we have to be diligent, we have to recognize God is watching. He's watching how we use this. Now, many times we approach the conversation of business from our own standpoint of what feels good, what is healthy, what am I happy about, what am I not... But for a Christian, we have to approach it from the perspective of what does God want for us and what does he not? There are times that I really want to just stop working. And when you have, you know, the situation that I have where I could literally stop working and nobody would know, it can be tempting to say, you know what, I think I'm going to go see a movie today. I think I'm just going to go drive around today. I think I'm going to go shopping for something today. I I think I'm going to Facebook all day long, said no one ever before they actually did it. I think that's what I'm going to do today. 
But diligence says that is not a good way to spend the day. And that will not get me to the place where God wants me to be because ultimately God is watching where I spend my time. The thing about diligence, and and this is where some of us struggle, is that diligence requires prioritization. It requires strong, good priorities. Let me ask you, what are your priorities in your life? In your mind right now, think through, what are the greatest priorities in your life? Wherever you're spending the most time and the most money, that's it. It doesn't matter what we say they are. The two indicators of our priorities are where we spend our time and where we spend our money. Now, you're thinking, well, but I spend most of my time at work. That's not really my choice. Yes, it is. The reality is that you don't have to have the job that you have. You don't have to make the income that you're making, most of you. Some of you are thinking, well, I couldn't make it on any less. Well, you actually probably could. I've already said when we talked about being generous, the reality is that sometimes we, because we haven't critically thought through where we spend money, we overspend in areas we don't need to. It's like renting a a house or renting an apartment. If you rent anything close to a house that will will house your family, you're going to be paying 20 to 30% more every single month than if you had saved and purchased. 20 to 30% every single month. If you've got a habit that you can't break, whether it be cigarettes or alcohol or whatever, then there's another 5 to 10% of your income that's going to something you can do without. If you have every cable TV show known to man, then you are spending a lot more money than you need to spend. It takes planning. And time is the exact same type of limited resource. It takes planning. Now, guys don't always understand how girls spend their time. When we get ready, you know how long it took me to get ready this morning? Probably most of you were still checking Facebook in the amount of time it took me to get ready this morning. But some of you, it took some more time, and we appreciate you doing that. You look very nice this morning. It's really good. Guys, not so much. Although, some of your beards out there took some time. I know it did. There's always a place where we can pull that time in. That we can be diligent about the use of it. That we can prioritize what is most important. And we can then enter into our work week, enter into our time out of work, enter into our Saturdays and enter into our Sundays with a list of priorities that says, in order for me to spend here, I have to stop spending here. And until we begin to look at our time like that, if you just go through your week and you get an email that says, you know, Mark, this is what we need you to do this week. If you answer yes to every single one of those, then you are going to be trapped. So how do we determine? How do we become diligent? Matthew 25. I want to read through this very quickly because it, this does matter. Matthew 25, starting in verse 14, is usually something we talk about money. But again, the, the, what we have for money and what we have in time, they are so interchangeable. 
For it will be like a man going on a journey who calls his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Which means each of you are also busy according to your ability. Some of you have lots of people coming out of the woodwork saying, I need some time. I just need some time. I just, can we have coffee? Can we, can we just sit down? Or can you look at this problem I have? Or I just don't know what to do in this situation. And Based on our ability, we are given the opportunity to spend this time. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability, and then he went away. Now I want you to imagine that God has given you so many hours in the day, so many hours in your week to spend on the things that he thinks are good and the things that are not. Those are our talents for today's discussion. He who received five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. He invested his time. So also the one who had two talents made two talents more. He invested his time. Verse 18, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, how do you bury your time? You can't bury your time. Time is going to continue to move on no matter whether you utilize it well or not. But I would say the, the man with the one talent is the one who did not stop to ask, what does God want me to do with my time? And instead allowed himself to let just stuff take it all. He didn't invest. He didn't prioritize. He wasn't diligent. He didn't think about what is the best use of this that has been given me. Now, after a long time, verse 19, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five came forward, bringing five more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I've made five talents more. I've invested. There's been a return on the investment of my time. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also had two talents that came forward and said, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master, which the same that we see with finances, the same that we see with our time. God is not looking for you to be better than anybody else, only to be diligent with what he has given you. Now, I know people that, are much more is required of them than is required of me. Their ability to offer to others is much higher than my ability to offer others. Thankfully, God does not judge us based on how much we were able to do. But instead, how much our heart was involved in investing in the task. He wants to see that we're investing and it is moving in the direction that he wanted us to move. Not so much that we are better than anybody else. There's always going to be somebody that handles time better. There's always going to be somebody that can take their eight hours in that day and they seem to get 30 out of it, whereas I, I seem to get a half an hour out of that eight hours. God's not looking for you to be perfect, but he's looking for you to invest well. Verse 24 says, He who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You know that I reap where I've not sown, gather where I scattered no seed. 
and you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. At my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten. For to everyone who has will more be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now there are a million, a million different ways we can apply this. It has to do with how we handle the gospel. It has to do with how we handle the resources that God has given us. In all, it is the same. God has entrusted something to us. What will we use it for? And if you are feeling like busyness has taken over your life, you feel that way because you are letting things take over your schedule that are not investing in the places God wants you to. There's a difference in being tired after doing something you know was worthwhile and being tired because you were just doing something. There's a difference. There's a difference in knowing I invested, it wore me out, but I invested and it was awesome. To I just don't know where the time went. I don't know what happened to it. There's a difference in being intentional. There's a difference in investing in the places where God says, and ultimately, and this is where we have to recognize as followers of Jesus, whether it be your vote, whether it be your time, whether it be your money, we give an account to God for how we live our lives. And it is not a legitimate answer for me to say, God, I was just too busy. I just had so much stuff going on. I mean, you don't know what people have been asking of me. All the excuses that we come up with, none of them will satisfy a God who pierces to our hearts and ultimately knows what our inner motivations are. Now, let me just stop for a moment because here's what I know about a few of you. I don't know how many of you, maybe all of you, maybe a couple of you, but I know some of you in the room struggle with believing that you must fulfill everyone's expectations of you. You have an amount of time to spend, but you have an unlimited number of people telling you where you're supposed to spend it. And there's something within you that says, if I don't do this for them, I will disappoint them. Now, there are certainly people you need to be aware of that. You need to be aware of what your boss says. You want to please your boss or you lose your job. But outside of that, there's only one other person you really need to make sure you please. And that is your father in heaven. Now, even then, some of your jobs require you to rob from the places God wants you to invest in. You're working an ungodly number of hours an unreasonable number of days. You cannot think about the last time that you had a Sabbath or the last time you took a vacation. And I will tell you then, you need to find new work. Well, we can't afford to find new work, but you cannot afford to live like this either. If you were a person that constantly is trying not to please others, but there is a tug within you that says you will somehow wither away if you do disappoint them 
There's only one way to overcome that, and it is being diligent by prioritizing. Now, I often have people that will come and ask me to do stuff, and sometimes I don't, they don't ask me. They just expect me to do stuff for them. And sometimes I oblige, and sometimes I don't. The truth is, is how does this fit in the priorities that God has given me for my life? I may not be able to do all the things that you want, even though within me I want to. I I want to make you happy. I want you to, to be happy with me and to think I'm doing a good job. But if I do that, there will be nothing left for the things that God is saying he wants for me. And he will not, there will not be enough time for you to do the things that God is saying he wants for you. At the end of the day, pleasing God is and has to be our highest priority above pleasing others. Now, the reason that we give others more power is because God doesn't email us. He doesn't text us 15 times in a row. He doesn't call us up. He doesn't give us that look like we've just let them down. And so it's easy to push him off to the side and let all this crowd of people take over our lives But pleasing God is our highest priority. 2 Corinthians 5 says, We are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage. We would rather be away from the body and be at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to do what? Please Him. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Can I just say that you don't have to please anybody except God. And here's what will happen if you please God. All the people that you're supposed to please, you will. But a whole lot of people who think that your life needs to be about their wishes, oh, they'll be disappointed in you. But is that really who you want to give the reins of your life to? Is that really who you want to be able to control how your schedule goes? Please the one that matters. Please the one that has a plan. Please the one who looks over and at the end of the day, he is the one that will judge how we have used our time. And stop giving it into the hands of those that just want to use you to benefit themselves. And all of this, you would expect me to say this, but it is crucially true. We cannot grow if we don't spend time with God. See, we expect a pastor to say that. And then we dismiss it because the pastor doesn't understand our busy lives. But it is a universal truth that you will not get away from. We cannot grow if we do not spend time with God. And as I've already said, you will spend your time on what is important to you. Therefore, if you're not spending time with God, you're not growing because he is not that important to you. And remember... We can discover your priorities based on two things. Where do you spend your money and where do you spend your time? Those are your priorities. I don't care what you tell me they are. Those are your priorities. Do we spend six out of those eight extra hours binge watching Netflix? Then entertainment is our priority. 
Do we spend that time thinking about how do I make more money? Then making money is our priority. Do we spend that time trying to figure out how to get other people to stop doing what they're doing and they do stuff that we want them to do? Then we are our priority. Where we spend our time and where we spend our money, that is where our priority is. That is what is most important to us. And I want you to know that you don't owe anyone your time except where God has implicitly instructed you to. You don't owe me your time. You don't owe your spouse your time. You don't owe your kids your time. You don't owe your work your time except where God has implicitly said, this is where you need to spend your time. Now, that being said, God has implicitly said some places we need to spend our time. And if we begin to focus our priorities on the places where he has said, spend your time here, it's amazing this fog of busyness that runs most of our lives will begin to clear and we will begin to see a clearer path to where God wants us to go. You don't owe that to anybody. And I want you to know, if you're a parent, that your children are learning to craft their priorities based on what they observe are yours. Not what you say are yours, but what they observe are your priorities. So wherever you're spending your time and your money, your kids are learning, that's where they're going to spend their time and their money. That's how they learn. You know, this idea of mentorship, that's how life works. Not by what I say, but what I do. So as you take that inventory in your head, How much time have you spent in different places? Understand it has an impact, especially if you're a parent. God has called you to invest in others. He's called you to invest in others through sharing the gospel. Let's be honest. How many times have we woken up that day thinking, where does spreading the gospel fit into my day? where do I need to make sure that I'm living this out and, and not just living in a way that will be a good sermon. Cause that honestly is a cop out. How am I actually spreading the gospel today? Who am I talking to about Jesus? Whose messy, just crazy life. Have I chosen to take my time that I could have spent just on me and said, I'm going to take this and spend it on you. And I'm going to enter into your mess so you can, Hopefully, find some meaning through Jesus. How often are we doing that? God has called us not to invest, just invest in others through the gospel, but he has actually given us spiritual gifts with the intent and purpose of us building up each other in the church. And as we see over just, gosh, churches all over our country, service is an all-time low. Why? I just don't have time because it's not important to us. We have time for the things that are important to us. God's called you to invest in others. So if your time is spent 100% thinking about your own activities, you cannot, by the definition of a limited amount of time, invest in others if it's all invested in ourselves. This is something we all have to address in our lives. In our relationships with others, when's the last time you had a slow and contemplative discussion with somebody? 
I don't mean, hey, what's going on? Hey, what do we need to do today? Hey, what's happening? Hey, good to talk to you. See, well, we need to do this another time. I don't mean those conversations. I mean, you sit down with somebody and have a slow and contemplative conversation. Think about it. You probably, it's probably been a while. Or you've had one and you think you're good for a while. But relationships were built on being slow and contemplative. What's really going on? Reading beyond just the words that enter our ears. Going beyond just information for us to make decisions. But just slow and deliberate and really getting to know each other. Slow and contemplative conversations are better than rushed and thoughtless ones. If God does not rule your busyness, if his pleasure is not our priority, he is not the center of our world. I really do believe that of those two things that I've already mentioned, living our lives in a way that pleases God is the ultimate answer. God wants you to be busy. He wants you to work. He wants you to do the best job at work of anybody else that works there. God wants you to be able to do that. That is a testament to your relationship with him. God wants you to spend time at church. He wants you to spend time investing in each other, not just coming and worship, but serving each other, spending time with each other. God wants you to do that, but he doesn't want that to rob you of everything else that you do. God wants you to have time where you can have fun and go to the movies and you can go and binge watch a season of the best show you've ever heard of that you just found out about. He, he wants you to enjoy those things. He wants you to go out when there's not a forest fire all around you and wander through the forest and just contemplate life. He wants you to go to the beach and put your feet in the sand or put your toes in the water and go, what a magnificent creation this world is. God wants us to go and get guys together and go race go-karts and you can knock your friends off the track. God wants that. But it's how we prioritize the time in which we spend all we do is race go-karts, we're in trouble. If all we do is stick our feet in the sand on the beach, we're in trouble. If all we do is wander through the forest contemplating life but never engaging it, we're wasting time. God has to rule our busyness or he's not the center of our world. Before we, before we leave here, also, just I, I have to say this because it's absolutely true and it's absolutely biblical and it is a part of this discussion. In addition to being busy, in addition to investing well, God did design you to rest. You need rest. As I shared with you earlier, when, when, busy, when business gets busy for me and, and, and I just have so much to do and I, I just I stop going to bed early and I start getting up even earlier and I stop taking care of my body physically, I can feel it emotionally closing in. I can feel myself shutting down. My, my conversations become more rushed. My temper flares more quickly. My feeling about life in general diminishes rapidly. And I, if you read our blog post for this week, this also ties into worry that we talked about last week. 
a very practical step to deal with this is to get rest. Sometimes the best way to deal with worry is to take a nap. And I don't mean that you like sleep every moment of the day you can to avoid dealing with it. But if your body is not healthy, if it is not rested, then spiritually, mentally, and emotionally, you are not at your top capacity to deal with the stresses that are in your life. God designed us to rest. Mark, in Mark 2, Jesus was asked, why are you letting your disciples work on the Sabbath? Because God had commanded a Sabbath and the Pharisees were trying to catch them. They were walking through getting grain and stuff to eat. And they said, well, you're harvesting. That's against the law. And verse 23, this was Jesus' response. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? He said to them, have you never read that David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with them. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. You need rest. As a pastor, we are the biggest sinners in the world when it comes to Sabbath if we have to take it on Sunday. Because although I enjoy being up here talking to you, I'm working right now. I'm not resting right now. I know how to rest. This isn't it. So I have to take Sabbath at different times of the week. Now, I try to set a a day aside where I can rest, a whole day where I do nothing, and I fail at it almost every single week. But I have to find places to rest. I have to find places to have Sabbath because what I know is that our effectiveness declines when we don't rest. My mind gets closed. I don't think clearly anymore. But I've also found that it is in those times that that's where God often shows up. He shows up in the time that we made for him. And so if I'm driving and and I've been going from meeting to meeting and I've been taking care of projects and I've been getting kids where they need to go and Deidre and I have been dealing with the stuff we need to deal with and we've been taking care of bank statements and making sure that bills are paid and we've got, you know, everybody fed and clothed and, oh, we sent one out without any clothes on today. That wasn't good. We probably need to prioritize our time better tomorrow, you know. If I do all that and then on on my way in the car to my next meeting, I say, God, I got five minutes for you. What you got for me? God's never spoken to me in those moments other than to say, you big idiot. That's not how I talk to you and you know it. Instead, God shows up in the time I've made for him. Now, if I do that with my relationship with Deidre, how do you think my relationship with Deidre is going to be? The only time she spends with me is when she fits me in in the middle of her schedule. And that's it. How am I going to feel about her? We've got to make time for the things that are important. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So for some of you, you're going to take away from this whole thing something different. Some of you are going to go around, go away from this, re, uh, rethinking your schedules. 
You're going to begin writing your priorities down. You're going to begin thinking about how do I spend this next seven days differently than the ones that I just lived or maybe the last several years because I've been living at this pace for so long. Some of you are going to go back and you're going to reprioritize and you're going to adjust some of the places that you spend your time. And I think that is fantastic. That is wonderful. You need to do that every single week. You need to have that same conversation. How do I need to change where I'm spending my time next week than I did this week? Some of you are simply going to have to get out an axe and you're going to have to cut some time in your life. Now, don't really go get an axe because people will think you're crazy and you will have plenty of time in jail because they think you're a, you're a killer. But you're going to have to start cutting stuff away. You're going to have to start making some time. I thought I just threw something, but I didn't have anything in my hands. <laughs> I'm going crazy up here. But you're going to have to create this time for him. You have to create this time for you. Be still. Do you remember what the two main things that I wanted you to do last week were? I wanted you to develop two skills. And they are just as applicable today as they were last week. Number one, you have to begin asking God to help you see as he sees. You see, all this rush of stuff that people need you to do, you've got to be able to cut through and see what God sees because we are easily blinded. And the second one is this. You've got to be able to hear from God. You will not do that if you have not set time aside to hear from him. And I'm telling you, if you will just do that, you will find that you will hear him. And all of this requires discipline because God grows you through discipline. Is the choosing of priorities one over the other. So what do I leave you with today? I leave you as a person who is regularly having to confess my own sin of allowing my schedule to control me and not God's priorities. I leave you as somebody who is in the exact same position you were in And even though I see that it is not good, every week is a struggle to make sure that I put time aside to where it needs to go. For those of you who like to please people, I like to please people. And I have to sacrifice on the altar of where God wants me to go, how other people feel about me. And it does not feel good. I do not like it. But they cannot have the place that God holds in my life. Only he can have it. Use your time to please the one who gave it to you. Would you pray with me? Father, I know that we all struggle with this. This is a way of life in our nation. This is the culture in which many have been born. For some, this is the only way we know how to live. I know for some in this room, the thought of being still and quiet is a fearful thought. They don't know what they're going to hear. But I know there are others in this room that they are desperate. They are desperate for a break. They're desperate for healing. They're desperate to be regenerated. God, I know that you, you and your grace and in your mercy and with your hand that is 
offering to guide us through all the obstacles in this life, you can lead us to that place of purpose. You can lead us to the place where we can invest wisely. You can lead us to rest. You can lead us to living a fulfilled life without feeling like we have to make everyone around us happy. I pray that you would cut through all of the haze and help us to see as you see so that we can act in the way you created us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.